everyone and welcome to the Whitcomb Baptist Church podcast with me Susanna and today I'm joined with Robert again who's going to finish this mini-series by looking at chapter 5 of the book of Romans. Thank you very much. Maybe maybe um, if you enjoy these talks I can do some more on the other chapters but this one is chapter 5. In Romans 1 to 3 we have Paul talking like a prophet. We have Paul talking like a judge. In chapters three and four, is talking more like a preacher and talking more like a priest. He actually describes himself as a, a spiritual priest in the work that he does. And there's a kind of gentleness in the language. It's as if he's saying, this is what's happened to Jesus for your benefit. It's the, but now principle that we find in Romans. When we come to chapter 5, we move to the blessings of the Christian. I think myself that this chapter is the greatest chapter in all of literature, and I'm a publisher. I know of no other chapter that has so much strength in it as this chapter. And if there was a chapter you wanted to learn by heart or wanted to pick up the main themes, it's this one. We're only going to touch on it, of course, today in summary format. But it is an incredible chapter and worthy of your reading and of your attention. It says to you three things in the first half of the chapter. The one is that you got objectively the blessings of God that are worth absorbing. He then said, but you can move from the objective, which is external, to the subjective, which is internal. And you realize the same blessings of God are on the inside, as well as knowing them objectively. He then says, these blessings of God are personal. And if I could summarize them, I would say we now come to the glory of grace, the glory of love, and the glory of atonement. Let me illustrate those three things. The glory of grace. Let me read them to you. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. I can't prove that. That's objective. And he goes on to say, not only do we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but we have an entrance by faith into the very grace of God so we can stand in God's presence everywhere. This also means that grace is with us all the time. It's above us, it's below us, to our left, to our our right. It's all around us. Wherever we go, we go with God's grace. Wherever we are, we are in God's grace. It's as if they are our permanent clothes that we wear. Everywhere we have God's grace. The glory of God. Now, the word glory is an interesting word. It can mean, and in my case, this way, I would say it means the very best that God can give you. God can't give you anything greater than glory. And you you have the glory of grace. No matter where you go, what you do, no matter how difficult it is, you have God's grace. And then it goes on to say this. Not only so, but also we... Um, let me read it, Um, by whom we have grace uh, and rejoicing hope. Not only have hope, but are happy in the hope that we have. We rejoice in the hope. And not only do we rejoice in the hope, we rejoice in the hope because we are tasting now 
and will have more abundantly the very best of God. Now that might seem strange that you and I have the very best that God can give. I mean, we're nothing. We're one of eight billion people. Maybe 150 billion people have been born on this earth. How can we be the recipient of the very best of God? Because that's the promise of God. His word is behind that. We have the best of God. Now you say, you can't prove that. You're right. I can't prove it. But Paul goes on to say, and not only so. Now it goes from the subjective to the objective. And it's the glory of love that's highlighted. But we glory in tribulations. Note what he says. We glory, we boast, we're happy with tribulations. We glory in them. Knowing that tribulations works patience. It doesn't say we glory in tribulation without the gradual experience growth of patience. We have to, we are the people who when things go wrong, it takes time, but we get there in the end. It's the tribulation that goes into patience. And patience gives us that experience of life. I'm 80 years of, well, 81 years of age in just a couple of weeks' time. And I can say to you, that in my life, this truth is there. Experience, experience, experience. The more I've attached myself to Jesus, the better my life has been. The times when I've been disconnected from Jesus in my daily life, they have been the times of great emotional difficulty. And of course, if you have experience, you back to the hope. Now, that cannot be taken away from you. The person who wants to say, how can you prove these things? You can say, well, I can prove them by presenting them in theology, but theology can only give you the objective. If the theology doesn't get into the heart and into the life. So in our church, I was talking to one of our ladies who just gone through this dark period of isolation with cancer. And Jesus becomes sweeter to her. Slowly, not straight away slowly my own first wife we spent 20 years together with cancer and we had to know the goodness of God in those 20 years and there were ups and downs ups and downs all the way through but the end result was where I am today an increased appetite for the glory of God for the best of God and hope maketh not ashamed Paul's used the word ashamed in connection with the gospel in chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And hope that we have that is real inside us will never bring to us any shame. We won't ever be disappointed. Why? And note, I want you to notice this. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. My life has Receive the love of God. My life. Receive the love of God. By the Holy Spirit. Which he has given to us. We have the Holy Spirit.
Paul will talk about those, about the Holy Spirit much more when he comes later on in the book of Romans. But here he wants to enforce and to engrave upon our hearts that we have the Holy Spirit who only gives us one thing and one thing only again and again and again love. Because with love there's wisdom, there's kindness, there's understanding, there's sensitiveness. There's all the things that relate to the very nature of God. We have it by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from because we're human. It comes because the spiritual forces of God are working and presence of God is working in our lives. And the more we would know that we have the love of God, anything that comes into our life, it will make the difference. But I said that the third one was atonement. And uh, you can read it. Scarcely for a man will one die, pay venture. For a good man, some will dare to die. But God has commended his love to us, Lord, in that while we were weak, feeble, ungodly, sinners, enemies, Christ died for us to deliver us from the wrath to come and to give us eternal life. That the very best of God could come our way. And then he says, in Jesus we have the atonement. Now, most translations today give you the word reconciliation, and that is a very good word, but it's not the complete meaning. The, the word idea of reconciliation goes back to the law courts. There was a dispute between you and your neighbor. You've been reconciled. But that doesn't necessarily make you friends. The dispute is over, but that doesn't make you friends. In the reconciliation of God, there is a friendship. You are introduced from the prison cell that was potentially yours to the very palace of God, the very presence of God. Isn't that incredible? That you have the atonement. You have the atonement, which is Jesus, of course. And Jesus gives us reconciliation. And Jesus gives us this marvelous thing called friendship. We have the friendship of God. Now, on the second half, which deals with two people, first is Adam and then with Jesus. We, we know if you read it through, you'll see the way Paul makes, it, makes us realize that Adam was the master of his race, the human race, and, but Jesus is the master of his race. And what does he mean by master? We don't mean controlling them, but what we mean is by transferring to them his nature. We have the nature of Adam, but now we have the nature of Jesus. And I want you to read the last verse of Romans chapter 5. Sin has reigned unto death. That was Adam's gift, if you call it a gift. Even so, my grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. The other week I had one of the men in our church come to me and said, Robert, and I've had this question many times, if Adam sinned in the garden, why won't we sin when we get to heaven? Good question. God's given us free will. Why can't we choose to sin yet again? In the garden, there was temptation. 
in heaven there's no temptation. It's all been removed when it wasn't there in the first place. In heaven, there's only purity. There's the environment in which we cannot sin. There's no advantage in sin at all. Sin isn't there. And what you have there is the reign of grace and righteousness. This means when you meet a person, you meet them on the basis of grace and righteousness. There is a transparency in you and in them. There's, there's nothing that's dark in your life, in your mind, in your thinking, in your feeling. They've all been vacuumed away. They've all been filtered out of you. The only thing that's been resurrected is the goodness of God that's been working in you, developing in you. And here you're going to live your eternity, your eternal life, where there's grace and righteousness reigning. Now, wouldn't you like to be in a world where the only two principles that operated in government, multinationals, oil companies, banks, insurance companies, the utilities, wouldn't you like it to be grace, kindness, tenderness, sensitiveness and righteousness to do what is fair and right all the time? Wouldn't the world be a different place? Would we have a, a million children dying each year because they haven't got food or the right water? Would we, we, would we be in that situation? Would we, in a situation, if there's a, a universal virus, only the rich get the virus first? Would it be like that? Well, of course, there will be no virus at all in heaven. I'm using this as an illustration. And I would say to you, if you could see it, this chapter, chapter 5, is the most amazing chapter. It starts with your justification by faith, and it ends with you being under the reign of Jesus Christ in grace and righteousness for eternity. Thank you.